Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Jr. That is me. With me, as always, standing tall, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? You're a liar. I'm sitting. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm always sitting, too, here. Standing sucks. It's for the birds. No one should do it if they have the choice. It's nice when you're watching games and you're – do you not stand during Notre Dame football games? Or like kind of like – you don't do that? No, not often. The only thing I found myself standing a little bit more doing is sometimes while eating just because oh. I am so acid reflux conscious now. I saw – ironically that- enough, I saw a stand-up set from uh, Dan, Katie, our friend Katie Nolan's now fiancé, Dan Soder, who's a very funny comedian, and I saw one of his stand-up bits about – 
learning that it wasn't okay to eat right before you go to bed as like a 30 something oh, yes. year old. Yes. And that hours. was, that was a conversation that I had, had because I had had vocal cord issues flame up because of some acid reflux stuff. And the one thing they told me is, Hey, after you eat, try not to get horizontal for a while after kind of like that old rule about going swimming 30 minutes after eating that we all kind yeah. of found out was sort of like a dumb myth. This one, yeah. actually, you don't want to get horizontal too quick. Cause all that stomach acid goes up this way so that was kind of the the thing that i learned there that kind of got reminded to me from dan interesting that is a really good to know obviously there's all kinds of hacks and things you need to know going into your 30s but yes two hours two hours before falling asleep eating window at least so you can hit rim that's my that's why i do it so i can't rim. and i always eat standing up i, I think of it as like a a cheat to like burn some calories while I ingest them. It just put like has gravity getting everything going in the right direction. It feels like yeah. the most intuitive way to do things. So we appreciate you doing things with us here, even if that's eating, standing up or sitting down. If you do that while listening to this podcast, make sure you download, subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating and a review or check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel so you can watch us do this while we're sitting down. Uh, got a great show for you guys today. Uh, no guest on the horizon today, but still plenty of football to get to. We've also got weird Tiger King news that we get to update you on. More will he, won't he about Aaron Rodgers' future after he spoke on the Pat McAfee show the other day. And a little bit in the world of college football, which Brandon, uh, the stand tall joke at the top. Did you see the video oh. from Deion Sanders' tight ends coach at Colorado addressing the team for the first time? Yes, Mike. I'm sorry I missed the reference. Uh, I was actually thinking about Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders and Pat McAfee because Pat McAfee told him, he's like, hey, I, I wish you would have went to West Virginia. He's like, no, that's not me. That's not me. I wouldn't have gone there. That's that's not that's not my flavor. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, sir. The Colorado uh, Rocky Mountains are right. Like what a, the whole lead up to that hire was it won't happen because Colorado's decidedly not. Deion. That being said, black and gold awesome color scheme for Dion. He hey, ev hey. every appearance I have seen him doing in Colorado gear has made me realize that man, Colorado has been done a disservice by all the losing lately because elite color scheme and an all-time live mascot in Ralphie. That Ooh, may have been the only I do thing need more mascot interaction videos. I need to see the first time Dion met Ralphie. Oh, yes. It, I feel like Dion may have demanded he meet the real guy behind the mask. Set up a special meeting. No, they have a live. Hey, they have a live buffalo. Okay, I love showing my ignorance, um, <laughs> but this brings me to a couple black tropes. Where uh, I don't know if you remember back in the day, uh, Tracy Morgan had an SNL skit. Damn, nature, you scary. Like, <laughs> I, I <laughs> Brandon, and I promise you. Ralphie is truly scary because before the game, kind of like they do with the Sooner Schooner at Oklahoma where they ride that thing out in the field, they take Ralphie and he runs and does a lap around the field before games. And my dad always tells the story. He was a captain when Notre Dame went and played Colorado when he was a senior. So he was down on the field before the rest of the team. And he said they brought Ralphie out to do his run. And you realized very quickly that all those little handlers that are holding on to Ralphie, they're just a polite suggestion because if that buffalo Stop. wanted to get loose guess what he'd do he'd get loose and it is he said it was terrifying to feel that thing rush past you on on the field level i mean I, i'm a little bit i'm a little bit scared when dogs get the zoomies because that's a little bit too <laughs> a 
that's a tumor a little animalistic for me. Like to think of a buffalo getting the zoomies right in front of me. Like I'm like, hey, y'all tell me when he's off the field. <laughs> buffalo thinking of Ralphie's pregame trot as buffalo zoomies is gonna be what gets me through next football season now. Uh it's incredible. So uh Colorado, give us more Dion and Ralphie videos. That's what we want. And yeah. less of so the for anyone that missed it, the tight ends coach is a man named Tim Brewster. Uh, who had coached at North Carolina, Texas, Florida State, Texas A&M, Florida, a bunch of stops along the way. And it's all the coaches were taking their first turn addressing the team. And he walked into the room and volume at an 11. Like based on how he entered the room, Brandon, if you had blindfolded me and asked, I would have said, oh, that's the special teams coach. Because this was big special teams coach energy where you've got to get everyone so aware because no one wants to be in your meeting. Oh, man. Mike, the, the special teams coordinator, the special teams coach is a special, it's a special coach. It, you got to get your guys' attention because if you, you already lost it. You already lost it. Let's be real. They're just waiting for the next coach to speak. Every, every special teams coach has to come up with acronyms and special code oh. names for their units because nobody wants to be on special teams. I, I, you hear me say tip of the spear all the time. Shout out to Justin Lustick, who is a special teams coordinator, running back coach for Vanderbilt now, but he was at Ball State. And it was the best analogy I found for it because if, if the football, the whole team is a big, long, you know, a big, long spear, spear that you go attack, attack it with, the tip of the spear is special teams. I mean, technically, yeah, because it's the first thing you do in the game. So the tip of the spear is technically kickoff or kickoff return. It, 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 I love it and it, we broke down every special teams meeting was he would say tip of the spear and we say play hard so love Brandon it. that is actually exactly what this meeting made me think of so Tim Brewster gets in front of the room and he tells all the guys I want you jumping up out of your seats when I say stand tall and he gets in front of the room and he says stand tall and they jump up and he goes alright sit your ass back down and then he hits him with stand tall again and then he reads him this whole thing about how every time the buffs bus rolls up it's going to be 60 minutes of hell and then right as the video cut off I expected him to Simon Says style give them another stand tall and he didn't and I was yes. very disappointed in it and I saw, I think it was Danny Cannell say, if you're ever wondering why college coaches don't work at the NFL, here's why. Like, I don't exactly think it's that perfect. Like, I don't think most college coaches are going in with that same demeanor in the NFL. But it did yeah. remind me how different the approach is from one level to the other. Because you brought it down. There's little things built in along the way that are always just kind of ways to make sure they're grabbing your attention. Like it's the grown-up college football version of when the teacher would put their hands up and start counting in elementary school to make everyone quiet yeah. down and look oh at the front of class. Gosh. Like you remember in yes. college, most people, when you get in a huddle and break it down on something, it's on three. When Brian Kelly got to Notre Dame, it was on two because it was supposed to be that extra bit of attention to detail. You just talked about the tip of the spear thing. Like there's a million of these that every college football player has been a part of big difference Mike big difference and I grew up in the military with my dad and one of his ways to get us to shut up quickly was eyeballs when he screamed eyeballs we had to scream listen eyeballs listen eyeballs listen eyeballs listen and we were just staring at him waiting for the next what's next dad so I mean, like it's it's just that version of things, and while it does seem it in its own way is kind of condescending, I also kind of get it because the dynamic is a lot different than what you have in the NFL for a number of reasons. 
not the least of which is in the NFL, if you don't do the job, they can fire you basically right away. Like some right. con- some contracts certainly prohibit that once you're one of the better guys. But by and large, if you're not getting the job done, they will just find someone else to very quickly do the job or they'll lighten your wallet for something you've done. In college, it's a little bit more complicated than that right now. Yeah, that's for the players. But for the coaches... If the coaches give too much of a college demeanor in that NFL meeting room, i.e. John Gruden, knock on wood if you hear me, it's like, okay, this isn't going to last very long because this is just memeable content. And then they turn in two days later, Frank Caliendo came and did the same shit. Well, and that's the thing, too, is part of this with everything we've seen from Dion is this was videotaped and sent out to us. So much of college football is how do we package content to show the people that are fans of our program, that are donors to our program, and that are recruits potentially coming to our program, what we're about here. It's all creating slogans and boilerplate stuff and stuff that you can just force feed to everybody who's thinking about your school because you've still got to do all that because right now the money's in third party hands in the NFL it's direct to consumer it's hey you give us a service we give you money in exchange for it and everyone's livelihood depends on it so we expect you to come here as prepared as humanly possible and then you're all kind of co-collaborators especially after you get beyond a certain point that's why coaches get called by their first name in the NFL. It's why mm-hmm. it's more of a conversation, especially amongst veterans, about how they're going to attack certain problems because you've got a vantage point on the field that especially as a veteran player is extremely valuable to them. As a college player, you have not, based on your the volume of football that you've played, gotten to that point in your life for the vast majority of them where you can do that. And because you're dealing with 120-plus players on a team mostly, you know, only 87 scholarship or whatever it is, but that many players and that few coaches, it's a lot less one-to-one personal interaction. And so you kind of have to make more generalized content to get everyone through this because you're also dealing with, you know, young young men getting into their grown man bodies and doing that with all the distractions of a college campus too. Like part of me can understand where the approach comes from. And part of me also sees the ways that it's clearly become a little bit of a meme of itself. Yeah. But isn't college football a meme of itself? I mean, we got Dr. Pepper collegeville right now. That's some of the best commercials that we get during the season, but I, I'm surprised and also, happy to see that Dion is able to tap into this because this is prime time like obviously he had his time at Florida State but we see him as a pro like in all those senses of the way even past that because he's a little bit more flashy and gaudy than what you expect like a buttoned up pro to be for him to be able to tap into the what makes college football tick I'm a little impressed. That's why he was able to kind of move up as fast as he did. Well, I think it is a reminder that for all the people trying to act like maybe Dion's doing things really differently, it's kind of right on time with where we're at. Like he's obviously got the deal with Barstool and he's got, you know, the the series on Amazon Prime, I think also you're watching it, right? Yes, Coach Prime. So he's got Simple all time. of that stuff, but it's basically what every other program's trying to do right now. Find creative ways to sell your program. Try and get more eyeballs that weren't there before to be attracted to this for a different reason. And so he's right on time with all that stuff. And all of these antics are the same thing we see at every college football program. We've all done some version of this. We've all done some version of having to say some slogan while we do up-downs at 6 o'clock in the morning in cold weather, pushing some sled outside in the name of building team bonding or whatever morale thing they want to build in that, as opposed to the transactional basis of, hey, yeah, we're all here, obviously, you know, we're going to have a unique bond because of what we go through together, but we're here to win some games and get everybody paid. Like, that's, that's how deep it can be at the next level 
but it seems like that's what's going on at this level now. Yeah, so it, it is starting to get interesting. So again, while it's always kind of been this way, and football's gotten more individually tailored in a lot of ways, right? The player tracking that goes on now that helps guys have a better understanding of how much mileage they're putting on their bodies, all of the different structured things they can do in the weight room with the technology they've got now. It's definitely different and better in the ways, but it's still kind of a big box factory approach to making football players at the college level as opposed to the NFL for all those reasons. The money being a part of that, which is sort of changing, which brings us to the uh, the Jordan Rashada story. So for anyone that's missed this, Florida quarterback recruit Jaden, uh, excuse me, Jaden Rashada requested a release from his national letter of intent on Tuesday night after a $13 million name, image, and likeness deal fell through, according to multiple reports. Now, these reports are courtesy of ESPN. I also saw this reported on over at The Athletic by Alan Alan Taylor. But essentially what it boils down to is Jaden Rashada was at one time a Miami football recruit. He eventually flipped his commitment to Florida in part because apparently, reportedly, his arrival was contingent on a four-year, $13 million NIL deal that was backed by the Gator Collective, which is one of the collectives associated with Florida football. For anyone unfamiliar, these collectives have been third-party donor and booster groups that can have money funneled in them that can be given to the players in exchange for their name, image, and likeness rights. It mimics pay-for-play. It's not technically pay-for-play, but we all kind of see what's going on here. And so somewhere along the line, the financial backing for this fell through. Now, reports from The Athletic indicate that it had to do with two collectives sort of working in partnership in a way that didn't necessarily go awry. But either way, that money wasn't coming, and so now Jaden Rashada's camp was looking up going, okay, then what exactly are we doing here? And Brandon, it's interesting to finally see one like more concrete reporting on the length and dollar amounts associated with these deals, like seeing this on The Athletic and ESPN.com, concrete amounts and years in this deal, outside of one report, I believe, from Ross Dellinger, who got to look at three contracts back in the day, is the most information I feel like we've seen about this since we started having the NIL conversation, right? Yes, and unfortunately, I feel like it's going to be the uh, marker for trying to understand everyone's movements and and how the money's moving if that makes sense like i feel like he is what he's like the the seventh biggest recruiting uh for espn uh or maybe the seventh biggest quarterback going into this uh class so he's the he's the number seven ranked quarterback and the number 27 player overall in the espn 300 for this class so now we get a chance to not only see the money that's coming in but attribute that to a ranking like yeah. I think that like this is this is this is a level of transparency that I don't know if the game needed, but it's here and and it's in this is where we're at now. Like I think back in the day, we would look at people's followings on social media and just kind of guesstimate how much money they could be possibly pulling in. Now we can just see if you're this good based on the class, this is how much you can potentially earn as a not even as a starter as a potential starter for this university yeah and i think transparency on this front benefits everyone like certainly as a player 
I think it can sort of help you have an understanding of what the market looks like. And quite honestly, I would imagine if you're these collectives, if you find out that you've been grossly overspending relative to the market, there's probably mm. some of them that may want to find out. But either way, I think it definitely on the player side, transparency would certainly be a benefit. So maybe this is something that finally kicks the door in on that. I did see some people uh, lamenting the dollar amounts being paid out to players that have not played a down of college football yet. This is my reminder. You're worth what someone's willing to pay you. We went mm -hmm. through a lot of this. This is the reason the NFL back in 2011, when they went through that CBA negotiation, changed to the rookie wage scale because you had guys that were coming in getting otherworldly guarantees on their rookie contracts and some veterans felt some type of way about it. And so you had a players association who said, hey, in exchange for some other stuff, we want to have a rookie wage scale evened out now that says, hey, where you're slotted here, this is more or less what you're going to make. And so that still leaves a bunch of guys getting $20 million guaranteed before they've ever played it down in the NFL. You're not being paid for what you're going to do in the NFL necessarily. You're being paid for what people think you're going to do in the NFL based on the work you've done in college. And so these NIL deals for incoming freshmen are you being paid for what they think you're going to do in college based on the work that you've done in high school. It's no different. And so if you don't have a problem with pros being paid just because this has changed up all of a sudden and you used to just have to commit for the love of it or for the bag under the table, Table, either right. what you want to admit in public, this isn't really a lot different. And now that we've shifted to this kind of marketplace, I'm not going to sit here and cry foul just because these players are getting paid what other people have deemed they are worth in the new system. Yes, but from a compliance standpoint, and maybe this is like boring for people, there's so many hoops that have to get jumped through just to get a player into a school and then get a player onto the roster and then get that player that's onto the roster onto the field. The fact that there's another hoop to jump through just in a sense of a check clearing, it feels, uh, it, it's as muddy as we thought that the money getting into this thing would, would change things. But I would be inspired to go after the bag like this. Like, I mean, it, wherever I was ranked coming out of high school, that was me not knowing shit about shit. Like, I remember I didn't go to Alabama because the recruiting coach for Kentucky was a offense was the offensive line coach at Alabama. So when Nick Saban offered me, I was like, oh, they're going to turn me to offensive lineman. Fuck that. I'm not going to Alabama. Like, I just had no clue what was going on with the whole game. So I think the more, like, people like the Brandon Newmans of the world that like, you know what I'm saying? Like it, the more we know, the better you can position yourself. That's a really interesting way to think about it too, because so much of the recruiting process has become professionalized. Now these players have to grow up way sooner than we did. The amount of camps that you have to go to, if you're not involved in all these different circuits and going around and being involved in the game, like that's what I always call it. Like the best part of finalizing your commitment or signing your NIL was you got to get out of the game. You didn't have to jump through all the hoops anymore. And maybe some guys like that. And some guys do love the recruiting process, especially when you're a big time guy. But for others, like I couldn't wait to be done with that side of things, especially because right. I knew where I wanted to be. But you are right in that the motivation is now even different than before. It was always, hey, for a lot of guys, I want to get to college because, you know, the degree and stuff's great, but most guys walk in, they're saying, I want to go play in the NFL, and college is my way right. to get to the NFL. Now, all of a sudden, college can also be a life-changing meal ticket for you if you are at the right place in your football right. timeline. So that's a really interesting way to think about that, what it does for motivation for young guys coming up, seeing the dollar amounts. And that probably already traveled by word of mouth, too, right? Because... 
Yeah. We're now a couple years into this. So we're still in the information gathering phase of things, which is the other interesting part of this is back this fall, the NCAA clarified something around collectives, basically saying athletic departments can have an association. Like if you look on certain websites, like I used, I looked up Clemson's the other day just because Dabo was talking about uh, name, image, and likeness. Clemson's website has two of the collectives that they're associated with listed on the website. Wow. A lot of these athletic departments can be associated. And what the NCAA said was staff members can't work for collectives, but they can ask donors to provide funds to them. So the athletic department can say, hey, make sure you give to X collective this season to help the program be big and strong. Mm. And so you can have all of that, but they're still not totally in control. So for Billy Napier and company, this presents a really interesting problem because getting burned like this in such a high-profile way, yeah, you wonder what that does as the word of mouth travels from other big-time recruits who see all this. And at the end of the day, money still talks, but we're now getting to the point in this life cycle where we're going to find out how delivered upon these deals have been as we go through these first couple of rounds we've seen and heard whispered about we've heard talked about but as far as stories like this where all of a sudden the money gets pulled back at the last second or all the someone someone's not getting paid on time and you're going to have parents or the other parties that are in charge of these guys speaking out it's going to be fascinating how it affects the programs that are at the center that are all trying to kind of hold this together and benefit from it as best they can because the school doesn't have to foot the bill right now but then on the other side could bear some of the egg on their face when something like this happens yeah, there's a lot that just is still uh, not known or misunderstood. Like it's, we talked about the Coach Prime uh, Amazon documentary. Uh, one of the episodes, he goes to L.A. and does the progressive commercial with Nick Saban, and it was the first time they've seen each other since Nick Saban said that you know Dion Jackson State gave that boy a million dollars or whatever it was to play and. I didn't understand it then, but after hearing Nick Saban and uh, Deion Sanders talk about it face to face, I understood it even less. Obviously, they talk, you know, uh, candid, not they as candidly as they were going to on campus. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, So, like, the more transparency that comes through this, Mike, like the fact that we can have little Brian Windhorse like chasing their arch manning person person throughout this entire uh, con you know you know does that make sense like really getting in on the bottom the ground level of oh. these deals as they come in Brandon it is going to change a lot i mean there's already I'm sure agent, like we've seen a lot of these guys have signed with agencies, like legitimate agencies to represent their NIL interests. And having that to where now high schoolers are going to be signing with agencies for that is going to change the way that arm of the business operates, which is absolutely going to change the way that the arm of insiders operates. This story is evidenced of that. This is not something that people would have had to report on. What's essentially a contract negotiation for a college player now and the way we look at this sport here. And so this is, I mean, a period, I mean, it's one of its first, right? In this whole process, we are looking at a series of firsts and a contract that's now being publicly disputed and a player that's saying, well, if the money's not there, I want out is now the first of its kind that we've seen at least cop to as publicly as this. And so what the ramifications look like for Florida football is going to be fascinating to watch. And certainly now Jaden Rashada's career is going to be fascinating to watch as he becomes a player who's going to be synonymous with this headline and other people are going to be taking note. And that's what I've said about 
about the transfer portal and NIL since it started is this is going to be a series of either success stories or cautionary tales. And either way, everyone below it would do right to take in the information and say, all right, how did this player move? What did they have at their disposal when they did it? And what was the end result? And how similar is my position to that as I try and gauge this going forward? And it reminds me, too, that I hope more people are going to get in touch with competent, reputable agents who are going to play in this space to make sure they are well represented for moments like this. Because the ESPN article indicated that his camp could have potential legal action. I don't know what there would be there because, again, this is a branch of things that's totally new to us. But it is going to be fascinating to watch. It is one of the wildest stories in college football right now um all right guys let's talk about jaegermeister they could have written a totally normal ad here like a really classic ad they could have talked about their history the 56 botanicals it could have been all salesy and cutesy but they know you don't care jaegermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard they just wanted to say two things jaegermeister is great but everyone has been drinking it wrong damn that's cold drinking it wrong all right if that's the case how should we be drinking it they are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. But Brandon, it does lead us to uh, the National Football League, which as these things have always been very similar, uh, they continue to grow more of the same. We heard from Aaron Rodgers the other day uh, on the Pat McAfee show, where he often appears on Tuesdays. And once again, Aaron Rodgers... I felt like Brandon came right on home. Like, this is right back where Aaron Rodgers, I think, had been before all of the, you know, COVID vaccine stuff and his podcast tour this last summer and somewhat of the Mm -hmm. heel turn that he had been on here. Aaron Rodgers passively, aggressively dealing with the Packers front office. Like, this is more of the normal stuff. This is where we were all on his side for a long time. Like, oh, hey, the really good player that's made your team really good for the entirety of your new head coach's tenure wants you to kind of do some things that he likes because he's a good football player. You should probably do those things. And then a bunch of stuff happened, and we all kind of reconsidered that a little bit. But now Aaron seems to be back home. So he went on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday, and he talked about how his quote was, I think I can win an MVP again in the right situation. The right situation. Is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure. But I don't think you should shut down any opportunity. Like I said during the season, that's got to be both sides actually wanting to work together and moving forward. And I think there's conversations to be had. Like, Brandon, one, does that sound like a guy that's done playing football to you? Because that sounds like a guy that's definitely ready to go fishing for other offers if the time comes. Yeah, no, that sounds like a Jaden Rashad, uh, uh, someone who knows what they have and they're seeing what the dollar amounts is. And if the money ain't right, they take their talents elsewhere. No, exactly. And it this is what felt the most at home. So he had met with the whole Packers staff before he went back out to California where he lives in the offseason. And he mentioned he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. He said a reload is fun because you're close. You're only a couple of guys away. And then he did the thing where he name-dropped a couple of the guys that he clearly 
wants to make sure are still around if he's got some sway. Mm -hmm. David Bakhtiari, Randall Cobb, Mason Crosby, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, all guys that in one way or another have kind of an up-in-the-air future with the team. And this is the Aaron Rodgers thing that goes back to when they signed Randall Cobb to begin with. Him getting pissed off that they had let so many of his friends go over the right. years. And so this just, Brandon, feels like like stasis. Like we've reached that even keel again where it's, okay, Aaron Rodgers is just trying to influence them to keep as many of the guys around that he likes as possible. Because no version of this reload or whatever he wants to term it is going to be as severe as the one you went through last year when Devontae Adams left. Like none of the guys that you named, like south of a healthy David Bakhtiari, who they're hoping, and it sounded like from Brian Gruden who's talking, they want to have back, especially now that he's been healthy coming off that hiatus with his knee injury. None of them are as impactful as Devontae Adams losing him was to that team. So none of them would be as big of a jolt from one year to another as that. Yes, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers is probably still hurt from the Devontae Adams trade, uh, especially now that I'm thinking about when he was subtweeting the Packers. Uh, remember the last dance uh, references, and it was him and Devontae. Like he, he, Devontae Adams was supposed to be there miserable with him. Instead, he's a uh, – I don't know if he's miserable or happy in Vegas, but he's, he's there alone. He's there alone, and he has his old friends, and now he's like, I'm doubling down on these guys, which it seems like the Packers uh, trying to figure out how to keep the island of misfit toys on the offensive side of the ball while the defensive side of the ball which they've done a lot drafting and and uh doing very well getting that right it's silly to even consider uh to mention a rebuild when we know that you got a potential mvp quarterback on one side of the ball and a defense that did pretty decently well uh, considering the, how much they had to be on the field at the, I would say at the end of the season, like yes, they underperformed yes, yes. for a lot, but they kind of showed us the flashes at the end or whatever. And again, would have another year of seasoning on them. So yes. I, I don't know, hearing all of this because before, right after the season, it sounded and, and looked so much. Remember when he was walking off the field, arm in arm with Randall Cobb, it all mm-hmm. just felt like a goodbye so much yeah, from a guy yeah. that had flirted with retirement that last offseason that if I feel like he's coming back, he's probably doing it with Green Bay. Like he said, if they want to move on to Jordan Love, then the only thing for me to do is play for another team. But realistically, again, if you're Aaron, unless, like at this point for him and Tom Brady, it's like unless it's San Francisco, where else are you going to go that's going to get you closer sooner? Like the Colts thing is done of just plugging in an aging veteran quarterback because we thought that offensive line was an impenetrable force. The Raiders aren't going to be any closer. And we talked about they're in a division with Mahomes. Like go on and on down some of these other lists here. Like unless Baltimore moves on from Lamar Jackson this offseason with the franchise tag game and now all of a sudden that's up for grabs in a way and maybe that becomes viable in the AFC North. Besides that, Again, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you look around and say, all right, the Chicago Bears, I mean, for Christ's sake, they're having arguments about trading their their quarterback and right. the number one overall. They're a ways away from contention. Detroit, moving in a positive direction. Minnesota did a lot of good things, but ultimately wasn't a team that a lot of people ended up with confidence with, and that was shown in the playoffs to be something truthful. So if you're looking for a path to the postseason that exists for you again, boy, oh boy, it seems like Green Bay still might be a place where that's potentially possible, and you went through some of the growing pains with the new young parts on your team this year, 
where the group in front of you was as unhealthy as hopefully it will be for some time to come now that we mentioned Bakhtiari and others are coming back from injury. So jumping ship now for everyone involved seems like it would be more work than it's worth versus coming back and just finding a way to keep a couple of these guys around that Aaron likes and then do what they've done the rest of the time. Draft defensive players high in the draft against his will. Yeah, I, I the reason... The reason he doesn't go anywhere, I don't think it is, is because there's nowhere else he could possibly go. Because I do feel like there's a couple of those bubble playoff teams that are quarterback away, like the Jets, that could, like, you know, you get a competent quarterback in there and, and be able to shape up the rest of that, that young core. Or, and I don't want to, excuse me for saying this, but like Saints or, or, or someone, the, the Titans or somebody that pops up in my head. Like, there's a lot of those bubble teams that, could be a quarterback away from doing it, but the reason why he doesn't walk away is I think the community there, there at Green Bay, their you know their franchise is built around the quarterback. You know what I mean? And I think there is no other quarterback that they would want to go out with. But it does feel like an ending. Like the same thing with Tom Brady as well as with Aaron Rodgers is the thing the team that bounced them out this year was the team that they owned the entire time that they've been in the league. So I feel like that might be enough to be like, okay, maybe I am done here. It could be. And listen, maybe Green Bay has seen enough from behind the scenes on Jordan Love that they really want to give this the shot in earnest while they've still got contractual control over him and try and give themselves a chance of sticking the landing instead of this just flaming out and then having to pick up the pieces on the other side. And you're right, Tennessee is a team that I've seen jersey mock-ups of Aaron Rodgers pop up for, and it seems like at times now, I would say, listen, the offensive skill positions there, certainly a little bit lacking, especially as we saw Traylon Burks injured down the stretch of the season. Yeah. There wasn't much, but you know, you'd have Derrick Henry, you're going to have an offensive line that I think it's a little bit of a facelift this offseason as well. But Aaron Rodgers just told you everybody he wants to play with. So the, the the new GM for the Titans or whatever their new uh, ownership is, they watch Pat McAfee too. And they're like, okay, uh, can we get Randall Cobb? Can we get Mercedes Lewis? Can we get Bakhtiari? Like, who else did Aaron Rodgers say he needed? Because I think a lot of teams are going to be – there's going to be a lot of free agents and a lot of moves being, ha- being made. And just like with all the rest of these teams, you get the one big piece settled and then you figure the rest out. Yeah, and that would certainly be a big piece, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know how many times we can see this same story happen with the same result on the other side, especially with the financial implications of this that, again, we've talked about, well-documented. They owe Aaron Rodgers a ton of money. He is going to cost a ton of money for whoever would bring him over. Those are all very real things. Like, the cap is a myth stuff didn't really work out for everybody in New Orleans as we talked about that for so long. So at some point, that does come home to roost. And I think... Like I, I again, trying to predict the future with Aaron Rodgers is impossible. But this just seems like he's back to trying to get what he wants from the Packers front office, which has been the same song and dance we've been watching for a while. So Packers fans think, maybe should feel a little bit at home with that. Maybe, like you said, it's, it's him coming back to roost. But are they tired of it? I know I've, I I joked about not joke. Well, I said I don't want to negotiate with terrorists. Talking about Lamar Jackson earlier on in this pot this week on this podcast, but. Is there anything to the Packers like really just like, you know what? Thanks for the, uh, I'm good. 
I'm like, you, you, you know what? Yeah, we're we're tired of reading your your Chris, Christmas wish list, reading uh, like seeing what what you want from the East Bay magazine. Like Aaron Rodgers, uh, we wish you good good luck. Thank you for the Super Bowl over ten years ago. Uh, we bid you adieu. They'd probably be reading a star chart at this point, wouldn't they? Oh yes, astrology. I'm gonna say biggest. Just look at the arm. He's got the tattoo to prove it. But uh, you want know Brandon? I think this is also like. This is also a story of right Aaron Rodgers. While statistically this is one of his worst seasons, I think when you looked at it, it still wasn't like Brady. It wasn't a massive enough drop off to where I'm like, oh, this guy's washed and it's over. There was still good football in both of those guys at certain points, and especially for Aaron Rodgers. And so I still think there's a good football player in there. And then on the other side for the Packers, this has been a series of them not knowing their own personnel well enough to make the right decision at the right time. It goes all the way back to not communicating the Jordan Love draft pick the right way that they did that ended up Mm -hmm. causing a lot of the friction in this relationship so that every other move felt like a declaration of war and so that you got what you had over the last couple off-seasons of strife and that led you to when he went back-to-back on MVPs to have to double down and say, well, we got to pay the guy now and to give him 150 mil over three years and put yourself in this position. And so you either thought he was done then in a way that you didn't predict and then couldn't anticipate him being done-ish now enough to not give him that deal on top of it to now wind up at this point where I feel like at some point if you're the Packers you got to just pick one thing and stick with it because this has been a series of waffling moves based on not anticipating the outcome and so right now it seems like you're bought in enough to just say for better or for worse now we got to ride this out and if it means we got to make a few concessions for this guy keeping a left tackle and David Bakhtiari who if he's now healthy through another offseason can probably still be one of the handful of best tackles in the league and if it's keeping an older tight end or a guy like Robert Tunyon or something great like Lazard's probably going to get got by somebody else but you've got the young guys in there that now towards the end of the season started to come online the Christian Watkins thing started to finally look better Mm -hmm. at the end of the season and it all just seems like it's going to lead back there with the same usual jostling that we've seen so hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price Packers fans, strap in. Uh, We'll see what happens next Tuesday if Rodgers is back on with McAfee and those guys for more of this one. Um, But Brandon, in the meantime, in between time, should we ask the all-important question now? Are you you kidding me? Are you really going to do this right now? (sighs) Okay. I I mean, we can. We can. This was... uh, I'll just I'll just I'll just play it and, and talk over it while while we get set up, okay? This was going to be a love letter to Lamar. Oh and, uh, I really just have to just have to tell him If you take your love away from me, I'll go crazy. I'll go insane. Lamar, don't leave. You don't have to do this. 
Baltimore's got everything you need. A great defense. Culturally appropriate. Listen. You. Shit. Okay, here we go. You ready? You've got your problems, Lamar, and I've got mine. Let's just spend it all by putting it together, yeah. When you say go Ravens, it don't mean nothing. If you care, you'll be there like you used to be, yeah. I'm searching for the words to make you realize then I really, really want you to stay. Oh, tears of frustration I hold inside. But if you walk away, you'll make this franchise cry. Don't leave. Dead ass. When you started that, I thought you were gonna pass out. <laughs> that song is at such a demanding octave. <sighs> Are you good? <sighs> that came from the depths of your soul. I know you had put oh. on a brave face the last few days, but you're really fucked up about this, huh? <laughs> you know what, Mike? This entire week, that song has been stuck in the back of my head, and I I couldn't realize why. And I was like, I, mean, I was like, what am I gonna do for this, that, and the third today? And I was just like, that song's in my head, and I was like, oh my god, I am thinking of Lamar. Don't leave Lamar, bro. Nothing will make you put on your biggest stinky fart face quite like early two thousands R and B. Oh man! Hey, so early it was '98, baby. Oh, that was '98. I see it like again. Yes, late '90s, a, early hey, 2000s. What a like just yeah. golden era of R&B that was. So good. I was I, I didn't know if people knew that, but I mean it's Black Street. Like that was the same right. album as No Diggity. So like I mean, come on, man. Heaters, heaters. Uh, man, if you enjoyed that, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating and a review. <laughs> Reward Brandon for that hard work. And Lamar, Ooh. if you're listening, friend of the podcast, Lamar Jackson, who came on with us before the season here, we talked a little bit about this. He said he was liking all the stuff, you know, hinting at stuff about his contract just for funsies on Twitter. He posted some stuff for funsies on Instagram the other day. Bible verses, pictures of his jersey on there. Ravens fans are running wild. Like, Baltimore, man. Just just make this right. Sign the, yeah. sign the guy to the deal. Like, I saw the best argument from Mina Kimes the other day on NFL Live. You've mortgaged so much of your future and built so much of your roster around a vision for one man at that position. And you have seen, even as you have drafted capable backups, like Tyler Huntley, by all means, Pretty capable NFL backup quarterback. Thought So much so that we thought someone else might poach him this last offseason, right? Completely fair, but let's not forget, he was number three to RG3, number two. Right. Like, the, talking about capable quarterbacks. So, like, you've had capable backups there, and then you saw this year, when Lamar Jackson got hurt, your offense couldn't score more than 17 points a game. 
Like that's the reality of where you are right now. And with a defense that good, you need to go out there and try and do right by everybody involved. So listen to Brandon, listen to Mina, listen to everybody. Just sign Lamar Jackson. Give him, give him something respectable here. I know he wants a fully guaranteed contract, and that scares you a little bit. But you know what? Things that are good for you should sometimes scare you. That's part of growth. That's part of getting outside hey. of your comfort zone and saying, hey, maybe we're not going to go full F them picks like it worked out for in Los Angeles, but we can do our mm -hmm. own little version of that right now and make sure we're doing everything we can to win here in the, in the here and now. So check that out. Uh, Brandon, Let's get to this, that, that, and the third. Yeah, listen, listen. I want to. I want you to be happy. We're better when yeah, you're happy, and that. you're happy when Lamar Jackson is Baltimore Ravens. So <laughs> let's try and keep it that way. Speaking of that, Brandon, um, let's get to this. I want to quickly call an audible on this one because I remembered uh, right as we were getting going something that made me very happy. As you know, we were a very pro Detroit Lions podcast this yes. season, and the news hit the other day that Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, after receiving some you know, interest for multiple head coaching vacancies has announced to teams that he is returning to the Lions for the 2023 season, according to ESPN's David Newton. Brandon, Ooh. the Lions offense, which by most metrics for this season was top five in a litany of categories, including fifth in uh, total points and points per game this league, excelled under Ben Johnson, who became one of the darling names that people talked about almost assuredly in head coaching conversations. For him to come back and to continue to build on what they did last season while they try to fix and tinker with the defense because he believes in what they're building there, huge testament to our boy Dan Campbell, but just a huge boost in general for a team that we love to love down the stretch. Mike, I would love to watch that. Like That offense was so fun to watch. Yes. It, like, like very in a very... I don't remember watching Barry Sanders, but I imagine that people flocked to the screen to watch the Detroit Lions play just to see what they were going to do on offense. Like that is the level of creativity that we're seeing over there from Ben Johnson. I am excited, but also like am worried that I haven't seen Jared Goff have two great seasons in a row. So I, I'm a little bit like kind of nervous about it, but I imagine this great season is because of Ben Johnson. So the Lions up and up and up and up and up. It really is incredible to see for them. It does beg the question of wondering if he's coming back, if that means it's more likely that they would bring Jared Goff back for another season, or if Ben Johnson's coming back potentially because he wants to be the one to start to get whatever young quarterback they're bringing in ready for what's coming up here. So... That's the part that I haven't really figured out one way or another, which I believe yet. But I do know one of my biggest worries for the Lions last year was regression offensively if they were to lose Ben Johnson, because I believe he was a legitimate difference maker for them. Like we talk so much and glowingly about Kyle Shanahan and McVeigh's and these guys that are difference makers as play callers and truly believe that Ben Johnson is a difference maker and what he did for that Lions team this year. Unlocked Amon Ross St. Brown in the way it did, gave Jamal Williams the chances to shine that he got. Got that offensive line as the centerpiece to that. Like it was creative and it was really fun. And whatever quarterbacks under center for them next year is absolute. That is a huge boost for that team stock, who's now going to be looked at as a legitimate playoff contender going into next year. They got rid of their number one tight end and kept going. Just kept on trucking. Said Brock Wright, Notre Dame tight end. You come on down, brother. We got some tutties for you. <laughs> Go ahead with it. Love it. All right, uh, Brandon. Let's get to that. That is a uh, name and a headline and a show I never thought I would reference ever again in my life after the pandemic. But Carol Baskin is back in the news. Woo! 
For everyone that remembered the summer of 2020 during the global pandemic when we didn't have sports or really anything else to put hope in, one show came up and snatched our attention away in the darkest of times. And that show was Tiger King, a show about a bunch of weirdos who were running a... I don't even remember what it was. It was like an illegal tiger zoo. It's an exotic exotic petting zoo. I've I've been to some since... Oh, that's right. You live in Florida Florida now. Yeah, I was like, not in Florida, and also, surprise, Tiger King is set in Oklahoma, um, close enough. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that are maybe exotic animal enthusiasts that can just charge people to come look at their exotic animals. So, while we all went on that magical journey with Carol Baskin and company, and apparently while they were in the process of greenlighting Tiger King 2, um, which... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me, did let it me already I didn't get it good enough. No, well, no, let me, I didn't give it, give it, yeah, Tiger King, no, Tiger King 2 came out, but no one kind of watched it because, like you said, we had had hope in sports back, but I didn't fully give the setup. Uh, what is his actual real name? What's the Tiger King's name? I forgot. Whatever. No, I don't remember his what name. What is his name? Brandon, gosh, Brandon, again, these people served a very specific niche need for us, and then I dumped everything. This is like after every college football game I call, where I learn as much as I humanly can about two programs, and then as soon as I am done with them, I immediately dump all of it from my brain, because it's the only way I can fit next week in there, because I am this close, this far removed from being a Neanderthal. Fair, and I and I Oh, isn't it, isn't it Joe Exotic? Thank you, uh, Joe Exotic. Let's say it's it's almost just as good as Tiger King. So Joe Exotic's main rival in this yes. Oklahoma territory was Carol Baskins, who ran this big cat uh, a, a sanctuary. She said it, and and let Joe Exotic tell you she's just as bad as he was. But she would always come on Hello Cats and Kittens with her little floral prints and her husband that was kind of like a mannequin who could. Talk and, and, and move and think, but there's a lot of controversy. Her current husband, well, yeah. there's a lot of controversy about how she got that current husband. Yes, so her ex husband had been rumored by her competitors to have been fed to the lions by Carol Baskin. That would be Tigers, Don Lewis, Tigers, excuse me. Yes, not Lion yeah, King, of course. Very, di- very <laughs> Lion King and Tiger King, very different, very, very different. Although both involve someone being fed to a well, I guess. Spoiler spoiler alert, Mufasa wasn't fed to those wildebeest or whatever they were. He was just pushed under them. It felt like it. It did feel like it. Um, They never found the body either, and then there was all those rumors that we talked about on the podcast of Scar and the hyenas eating Mufasa, which seemed really messed up. It's it's why you don't look too too close to the things you love, folks. But anyway, apparently they found him in Costa Rica. Don Lewis, Carol Baskin's uh, ex-husband, who now would be like 84 years old. Uh, apparently, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security reached out uh, before Tiger King 2 came out and said that a special agent in charge of that had basically confirmed the year before uh, that he was in Costa Rica and apparently alive and well. So uh, this is once again a reminder, Brandon, to not just believe everything you read on the internet or hear in a Netflix special produced where we're all very mentally unstable. Yes, Mike, but I do feel bad for that person's family because Carol Baskin's husband had a whole other family uh, where that he had before he met Carol Baskin's, and it was like 
four daughters and they were all part of the interview because Joe Exotic sent them down and they basically like gave the evidence that like Carol Baskins killed our dad and dude just wanted to get away from everybody. He's been in Costa Rica chilling and now he's going to get on the, uh, them kids going to come find you, hey, Papa. Listen, Don Lewis, the original Cliff Kingsbury. Ooh. This was his one way ticket yes. to Thailand. <laughs> How it. pissed do you think he is at these FBI dudes too now? Come on, blowing up my spot. All, all these other kids going to know about these other kids now. That's a, he must have stopped being an informant for whatever <laughs> arm of the government he was working for at that point. I'm like, we're going right. to tell Carol. Like, okay, well, yeah. here, you, here you go. What's the worst she can do? Not feed me to the tigers actually again? Oh, man. Oh. And I, I'm glad because when she said that she didn't kill him, she was so nonchalant about it. I was like, she must be cold-blooded. It's also insane. Like, these were people's actual lives, and we just believed that. Like, how sick, oh, yeah, for how sure. sick were all of us? How sick are all of us? Dear God. Don, if you're actually alive, which this indicates, we're glad you're alive. We're hoping you're having a good time in Costa Rica. We hope everyone is as yeah. well as they possibly can be in these uncertain times. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um... Brandon, let's get to the third. Speaking of uncertain times, uh, the subject of this next show. So I know you haven't seen the first episode yet, but I did want to set the table for a little bit, and this is a set as a sell because, yes. and I'm, we're already a week late, so we're past any spoiler alert. We're not going to give them out because Brandon hasn't seen it yet. The Last of Us premiered on HBO this past weekend, reached more than 10 million viewers across its first two days, which uh, HBO says The Last of Us has now caught up to House of Dragons as the initial series premiere audience in just two days. What? So one of the biggest initial premieres they've had in a while. It's an adaptation of the uh, old PlayStation game, The Last of Us, which friend of the program, Katie Nolan, very fond of, and someone who I kind of... Yes asked about in the lead up to this and Brandon got to tell you uh Pedro Pascal who is the male lead in this show through one episode sensational for anyone unfamiliar it's a basically post-apocalyptic thriller so a genre which we're all pretty well versed in at this point through one yeah. episode already some pretty interesting minor twists on the genre I think that make it interesting enough and something that's been done a lot but I think off the strength of Pedro Pascal who seems pretty ready to do this in a big way oh, yeah. and the way they've made you buy in pretty early on in this and some of the previews I've seen ratchet it up and ready to go like I hope you're planning on watching this every week because this feels like something we need to be up to date with I was going to watch it as soon as you got done with that last sentence because I'm, I'm going to watch it tonight and we and I'll give you my uh, recap I don't know about anything about the video game but I do know Pedro Pascal I think uh, first time I saw him was in Narcos season one and fell in love with him there. So I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that said Pedro Pascal has not appeared on a show that's ever been rated less than 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, which Ooh, feels like a Madden yeah. stat for actors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also one of those fake ESPN stats that we talked about. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bought in mate and mainly because I just saw, uh, Steven Spielberg is, in the news because he his, his movie is doing well and getting awards and Golden Globe and this is the season. But he said that 
he's been inspired by HBO series and is interested in getting to long form near the end of his career. He said if somebody would have gave him Mayor of Easttown, he would have took it. So is the more quality long form TV shows that are out there, the the more uh, these other big directors are going to get their hands in the pots as well. It, it makes sense. HBO's always been kind of a ready home for this. And again, for something like this, which is an interesting place, I, I'd be curious, just because I haven't played video games in a long enough time, how many shows like this have done these sort of adaptations? We've obviously seen book adaptations, mm-hmm. but for so long, like I, I tell you all the time, I end up down these YouTube rabbit holes. I haven't played video games in years, but I love watching people play them on YouTube. And I watch God of War all the time. And the theatricality that's in these video games already in the storylines, they're ready made. They're ready to go if you can just cast them and shoot them the right way. And so if they're able to pull this off with The Last of Us, I would love to see what else they've got in store. I know people have tried other things. I've seen Halo ones out there that obviously I don't think were... Done yeah. quite as well because I love that game and I didn't go looking. But this one, The Last of Us, was the second largest opening for an HBO show since Boardwalk Empire in 2010. So this is already Ooh. clearly Damn. getting some of the the draw and carryover from the audience that love the game. Boardwalk Empire was so was so good. Like I, I wonder, wonder what other type of games though could could even survive in this in this realm. Like for example. Arkham Asylum, when that came out, the Batman one, like all you had to do was go watch a Batman movie, but that was like a the that was a fun game to watch being played. But also like the old favorites like Crash Bandicoot. No, there's no storyline. <laughs> but like some like Well I mean it, you think about it, they've made Mortal Kombat into plenty of movies. I liked I liked that new one that came out on HBO. That well, was not bad. And again, like Mortal Kombat movies, they don't have to be anything more than they are, right? I know what I'm yeah. there for. It's like when I watch Dragon Ball Z, I'm there to watch guys scream into different hair colors. It's a great time. Right, yes. But yes, with yes. this stuff, like I guess there probably have been a lot more than I've given credit. Like, hell, we have two Sonic the Hedgehog movies at least right now. True. True. So yeah. there's been plenty but, but of Street Fighters. We grew up with a, with a Street Fighters movie that was like just always on HBO and stuff, and I would love for them to bring that back because there is plenty of narratives there. Or Tekken, oh my gosh, story mode in Tekken is so so rich. You know what? So we'll wait and see. But regardless, we're hitching our wagon to the Last of Us. If you want to watch along here at Gojo Show on Twitter, obviously keep us in the loop here. We're going to avoid spoilers at all costs here, but this feels like the right place to align ourselves with. Maybe even towards the season's end, we'll be able to get our friend Katie Nolan on here to kind of give us that other perspective on what it's like watching this from someone's standpoint who did love the video game. So we'll keep an eye out on that. We appreciate you if you kept an eye out on this podcast through the entirety all the way to this end. If you did, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review, and make sure you check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well under the Gojo of Michael Jr. playlist. We see you guys all over there. We see the views going up on that. It is greatly appreciated. It's something that we want to try and grow. We're going to do a better job as we get into 2023 of giving you a better visual product on that side. And so all the eyeballs there, all the thumbs up, the comment section here, we appreciate all of it. It helps every bit to kind of show us where we need to go and what we can do better for you guys. So make sure you stay up to date that. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, 
Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.